Pain is one of the inevitable events of life that everyone will suffer from in their relationship. Without it, there won't be any personal or relational growth. This message is the seventh in the series, Talk to Me. The message is entitled, Prayers That Heal Hurts and Offenses. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. in a series of messages called Talk to Me. Last weekend, we kind of uh, skipped over because of the, uh, the weather, and uh, many of you watched online the special message. Have you watched online the message last week? Okay, fantastic. I haven't gotten the numbers yet of how many people actually watched online. I was hoping to have those to give you today, but I don't have them right now. But there was a whole bunch of folks that paid attention last week and tracked with us for a special message. Thank you for doing that. Today, we're going to go back to the series again. I want to talk to you about how to pray through hurts and offenses in your life. How do you pray through the hurts and offenses in your life? I would imagine that for most of us here, uh, we could acknowledge that at some point in time, we've all had relationship pain, haven't we? Have you been hurt by someone before? Everybody has. We've all been hurt by inconsiderate people, by people who've said things to us they should never have said or, and done things to us they never should have done. And all of us, as we go through life, we hurt on the inside by the pain that comes our way. And life hurts, especially when it comes to relationships. And all of us have relationship disappointments and frustrations and things that happen. And one of the things that occurs when you get hurt in a relationship, when something happens and things don't go well in your interaction with another person, that hurt gets into your heart. And when the hurt gets into your heart, if you don't deal with it the right way, it really does terribly affect your life. It messes you up big time. There are a lot of people today that are walking around with a lot of pain on the inside of things that have happened to them in their hearts. And maybe it's maybe five years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago or maybe just yesterday, they're still carrying the stuff around inside of them and it's affecting the way they're living every day. And Jesus taught us as we pray to consider things that are going on in our heart with our relationships. In fact, he gave us the Lord's Prayer, and he said, I want you to pray like this. And let's all say it together. Our Father, which art in heaven, come on, everybody. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What I want you to notice there is that Jesus, when he taught us how to pray, he included praying about relationships. He said, and forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And so Jesus brought us into the world of relationships, not just relationship with God, but also relationship with people. And so we have to learn how to handle these things in life. How do we handle when someone trespasses against us in some way? Uh, Jesus, in fact, himself uh, took this very seriously because when he was on the cross being crucified, obviously, was Jesus being mistreated? Of course he was. He was being abused and mistreated by people who didn't understand really who he was, the Son of God. And so here he is on the cross hanging between two thieves. He's being treated like a common criminal. And you might recall one of the prayers that Jesus prayed on the cross. He prayed on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus did not want to allow any unforgiveness in his own heart. So he spoke a word of forgiveness there in that moment and prayed a prayer of forgiveness even while he was on the cross. That's how important this thing is to our lives. 
And I want to teach us today for the next few moments, and again, we'll move through this fairly rapidly today, and so uh, I hope your pen is ready to go into overdrive uh, today. And I'm going to share with you five things that you have to do to pray your way through hurts and offenses in your life. How do we do this? How do we handle them. And the first thing you have to do when it comes to hurt, offenses, when someone has disappointed you in a relationship, you must start by praying for what I'll call the right perspective. Anytime you're hurt, it's very important that you have the right perspective. Now, perspective is how you view something, and how you view something is dependent upon the angle that you take, what's your angle, how you're looking at it. It's affected by your attitudes, that is how you have prejudged a situation, if you go into a situation, you already have a certain uh, mindset about something. You're going to read things into things that may not even be there because of what your mindset was that you brought with you into the circumstance. So it's affected by lots of different things. Your perspective is your perspective. Your perspective is how you are viewing what happened. For example, you may be walking down the hall at work and uh, someone that you uh, uh, consider to be a friend walks by you and they do not speak to you. You then have a perspective on that encounter, don't you? Your perspective might be, well, they must be mad at me or they must be having a bad day or they must be going through difficult. You have some perspective when that, per when that interaction transpires and whatever your perspective is is going to affect what your emotions will be, Correct? If you think, wow, they must be having a bad day, I need to help them, I need to be there for them, then your emotions will be very different than if you say, well, they're just being nasty to me today. Two different perspectives and two different sets of emotions. And so the first thing that's necessary when you've been hurt by another individual or you feel offended by someone, as you stop and you pray a prayer, God, help me to have the right perspective. Show me what my perspective is. Help me to see. Maybe I'm being just oversensitive here about this situation. Or, Lord, maybe I'm judging something in a way that I should not judge it. Or, Lord, maybe I'm reacting to this person out of some pain from my past. And many times, even in relationships uh, and issues of intimacy, and those kind of things, we actually bring our baggage with us, and it's not really about the person we're interacting with right at that moment. It's about the whole history of people we've been in interacting with that we bring into the relationship with us. And so we have to have the right perspective. What's going on here, Lord, in me, in me? I found a, a prayer in the book of Job that I'd never seen before, especially in the message paraphrase. I'm going to ask you to read it together with me. It's Job chapter 6, verse 24. It's a great prayer to pray whenever you're feeling hurt or offended by someone. Would you read it aloud and loudly? All the folks in Frederick, USG as well, let's all read aloud and loudly. By the way, I forgot to welcome USG a moment ago. All the folks at USG, you're welcome to the services today as well. But let's all, as uh, all of our campuses, read together Job 6, 24. Here we go. Confront me with the truth and I'll shut up. Show me where I've gone off track. Isn't that a great passage? God, would you confront me, show me the truth, and if you'll show me the truth, what will I do? You didn't know that was in the Bible, did you? And sometimes the greatest thing you can do is just shut up. God, confront me with the truth, and I'll shut up. Show me where, not where the other person has gone off track, but where I have gone off track, and so many times we actually buy in to hurt and pain in relationships because we have the wrong perspective about it. It's about us. It's really not about the other person. We're reading things the wrong way. Number two, second thing that's necessary to pray your way through hurts and offenses, you have to own your hurt and your responsibility to heal from it. Sometimes we get hurt when we really shouldn't get hurt. 
we read things the wrong way and we let pain happen to us when we should not let it happen to us. And there are other times that actually people are intentionally hurting us. Have you ever had a person in your life before that they were after you? And they wanted to hurt you. They wanted to say things that hurt your feelings or they did things to you that affected you or adversely or you knew that they were sort of your enemy. They were trying to do things to undermine or hurt you in some way. They were purposefully, intentionally attempting to hurt you out of their own world. And so there are certain hurts in life that are real. They're not just made up in your own mind. They're actually evil people, bad people, unjust people in our world that inflict pain on other people, right? There are people like that around. If you haven't met them, I can introduce you to a few of them, okay? I've met a few along my pathway in life, and I'm sure that you have as well. But they're pain inflictors. They are abusive in the way they treat other people. They're hateful and mean in the way that they treat other people. They don't treat people justly and kindly and with compassion. And so sometimes we're on the hurting end of that. People hurt us in very real ways. And what you and I must do when we are truly hurt by another person, it's not just about our perspective of the situation, is the first thing. Listen closely. You have to own that hurt. You can't say, oh, it really doesn't bother me. Because oftentimes, the truth is, it does bother you. And when someone hurts you, it hurts, doesn't it? When someone says something nasty to you or treats you in a way that you really shouldn't be treated, that's less than, than, than proper respect for you as a, just as a human being, it really does hurt on the inside. It's painful. It hurts us in our soul. And our souls are already very tender. They're, you may put on a, a real hard exterior front, but inside everybody's got a soft spot in their soul that gets hurt from time to time. And what you have to do is you have to own that hurt. You have to say, you know what, that, that, really, that really did hurt. That really did cause some pain inside of me. See, God is about honesty, isn't he? God is a God of truth, and God can't work in your life or my life until we own up to truth. So you cannot heal what you deny. There's never any capacity to heal things that you deny. If you're living in a denial, then you'll never experience healing in any realm of your life. That's why the psalmist prayed this prayer in Psalm 51, verse 6. Notice this a prayer. He's talking to God. You, God, you deserve honesty from the heart. Yes, utter sincerity and truthfulness. Oh, give me this wisdom. God, help me to understand that it's wise to be honest with you. See, saying that something doesn't hurt when it does hurt does you no good. If it hurts, it hurts. Own the pain. Everybody say that with me. Own the pain. Admit and acknowledge to yourself and to God, God, this hurts. Psalm 69, verse 29. Here's another prayer the psalmist prayed. I am suffering and in pain. He's talking to God. Let your saving power protect me or heal me, O God. God, I'm just going to talk to you about the real deal where I'm at in my life right now. The thing that person said to me or the thing that person did to me, it really did hurt, God. And I'm hurting right now, and I need your healing touch. I need your saving power. I need you to come and do something for me. So own the pain, but let me add something else to it. Do not just own the pain. Own your responsibility to heal from the pain. Listen closely. Every, many times, here's what we do. We own the pain, but then we put the responsibility for the healing of our pain on somebody else. Oh, I'm hurting. Now they've got to fix my pain. And what I've noticed over the years is that most folks aren't interested in fixing your pain, even when they cause it. 
Most folks, when they cause pain in your life, do so either by being ignorant, unaware, or intentionally evil by the things that they do. And so they're probably not going to come back and say, you know what, I'm really sorry for what I did. I'm sorry that I hurt you, and I'm going to own up to that responsibility. And so if you're waiting around for people to come and heal your inner pain, you're going to be waiting till Jesus comes back again. And you have to own the responsibility to have healing for yourself. And other people can't heal your pain for you anyway. You need God to heal that pain while others can help. In fact, sometimes an apology is all that's needed to bring about healing. But most of the time, people don't get it when it comes to an apology. Just to simply say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. You know how few people know how to say those words? I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Let's practice that together again. Are you ready? I'm sorry. I was wrong, please forgive me. Now, you guys were not very excited about saying that, okay? Come on, all the folks at Frederick USG, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Those words have healing power, but most folks don't know how to say that or are unwilling to say that. So if you're going to heal from your hurt, where does the healing happen? It happens between you and God. Own the pain, but then own the responsibility to heal from the pain. Don't put that responsibility over on someone else. Last weekend, uh, I gave a particular message about, um, about a man uh, that was healed at the Pool of Bethesda. If you watch that message online, you'll know what I'm talking about, John chapter 5. It's a great story of Jesus going to the Pool of Bethesda, a man that had been there for 38 years. He was sick. Jesus goes up to him. And it's interesting, the very first thing that Jesus said to this man, he didn't just walk up to him and said, rise, take up your bed and walk. The first thing that Jesus said to the man, anybody remember? It was a question. What was the question? Do you want to get well? Do you want to heal? Now, isn't that interesting? Because here's the guy. He's been there for 38 years. He's been sick, invalid, paralyzed. He can't walk, can't navigate his life. And before Jesus just walks up and says, rise, take up your bed and walk, he asks the man the question, do you want to get well? Have you ever wondered why Jesus would ask the question? Doesn't it seem like kind of a ridiculous question? You would think, if I've been sick for 38 years, then I certainly want to get well. But not everybody wants to get well. Because when you get well, it means you have to take on some responsibility you didn't have before. And so Jesus said to him, hey, you know, you've been like this for 38 years. Before I issue my healing power to you, I want to ask you a very sincere question. Would you like to be healed? Do you want to get well? Are you willing to accept the responsibility, accept everything that goes along with your healing? Let me tell you part of what that involved. This man now, once he was healed, would have to go get a job. He's going to have to work. He's going to have to do things he's not had to do for 38 years. And so Jesus said, are you willing to own the responsibility of your healing? And by the way, you know, there are people emotionally the same way. They carry around hurts with them. And they're always talking about it, always commiserating in their pain, but they really don't want to get well because their identity is in their victimization. They're not willing to say, I want to get well. I want to get beyond this. I want to own the responsibility for moving beyond this pain in my life. And why is this so important? Because it's only when you and I own the responsibility that the healing comes. Amen? 
It was only when the man said, yes, I want to be healed, that Jesus said, good, got it. Pick up your mat and walk. And the man walked out of his situation because he was willing to accept responsibility for his healing. He did something as a part of that miracle, and you and I have to do the same. And so when it comes to praying for hurts and offenses in your life, you have to pray, God, help me to own the pain. Yes, it hurt, but, Lord, I'm also going to own the responsibility to move beyond it. Number three, third thing, third point today. Everybody still with me so far? Number three, how do you pray your way through hurts and offenses? Decide whose justice you prefer, yours or God's. When people hurt you, you face a choice. I'll say it this way. Every hurt in your life puts you at a crossroad. In fact, I would like for you to think that way, just to image that way as you enter any kind of relationship pain in life. You're at a crossroad every time you face some kind of, some kind of relational crisis moment or pain moment. And a crossroad is a place you come to on a journey where you have to make a decision to go in one of two directions. That's what a crossroad is. So you come to a particular place and you have to choose, will I drive to the left or will I drive to the right? Will I turn? Which direction will I turn in? And the direction that you turn will affect your destination because both of those roads lead in opposite directions. And so how, what you choose to do at a crossroad has an impact of where, upon where you end up. And the same is true when it comes to an offense in your life. What you choose to do in the moment of being hurt by someone is going to set things in motion in terms of a destiny and destination for your life. So every hurt, every offense is a crossroad for you. And here's what happens when someone hurts you. The road we want to go down is the you owe me road. You hurt me, now you owe me for what you just did to me. I'm going to make you pay for what you just did. You hurt me, so I'm going to pay you back for hurting me. And we buy into the mindset that we're going to go after revenge or we're going to go after justice, we're going to hold a grudge against that person until we have gotten out of them the thing we feel like they owe us. It may simply be an apology. It might be something else. But we hold on to the hurt until that person has successfully, in our mind, satisfied the debt that they owe us. You all with me today? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. It's the payback mentality. It comes in different ways. Sometimes we pay people back by hurting them in the way they hurt us. It's called the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You said something nasty to me, I'm going to say something nasty to you. You hit me, I'm going to hit you. You knock out my tooth, I'm knocking out yours. It's that tit for tat, it's that you did this to me, so now I'm going to do this to you. And so the Bible refers to that as an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And many of us live in that kind of revenge mode. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you right back. I'm going to give you a taste of your own medicine. I'm going to give you what you gave me. And so it's a payback mode. There's a more subtle payback mode, though. It's what I would call the shut up and shut out mode. We don't give back what they gave. What we do is when we're hurt, we shut we shut up and we shut out. We actually pull away and withdraw from the individual out of our pain, out of our anger, out of our hurt, out of our bitterness, and we have this disassociation approach that is a passive-aggressive way of dealing with your hurt and anger, but what you do is you shut people out. You know there are marriages where people have shut one another out for decades? They only say what they have to do. They don't only interact where they have to interact. And what they're doing is they're, they're using that mode to pay back the person for the pain they feel like that person has given to them. 
And it's never quite enough. You can never get it resolved. Both of those things never resolve anything. Here's the third way people deal with pain in the payback mode. They pass on their pain and they pass it around to other people. So in other words, they may not give it back to the person, but they tell everybody in the world about what that person did to them. Oh, let me tell you about what this person did. Let me tell you about how this person hurt my hurt me. And they pass on this garbage. And the whole idea is that they have an offense and they want to find as many people possible to get to share that offense with them so that they have they bolster their case against that person. And so it's called oftentimes gossip and slander. And so we go into gossip and slander mode, telling everybody else about our pain because we want to again get allies with us that reinforce our righteous position. We were hurt. Don't you agree? Yeah, you were really hurt. And the more people we can get to agree with us about how hurt we were, the better we feel about our justice in the moment. You all understand what I'm talking about? That's when you are trying to get justice for yourself, making someone pay. Now, the problem is that never works. It never really gets fully satisfied because the only one who is truly a God who is truly just is God. See, our justice system is always going to be flawed. Your, your and my justice system will always be flawed, will it not? Because we're imperfect. We don't judge righteously. We don't always see things the way we should see them. As I talked about a moment ago, our perspectives are sometimes wrong. And so the only person who can judge rightly and righteously is God. And so you and I have to decide when it comes to hurt and pain, whose justice system do we want to have employed in the situation, ours or God's? Now, here's the good news. God is just. God is just God. Amen? And God makes wrongs right. When you and I can't get that done, God can, right? And if you haven't remembered this recently, let me remind you of it. There's going to come a day when every human being is going to stand before Almighty God, and they're going to give an account for how they lived their life, not only with Him, but how they treated other people. Every human being will stand before God and give an account of how they treated God's creation, God's unique creation called humanity. And so there will be an accounting day that will come. And the good news is that you don't have to set up for that day. God's already got all the records in heaven. You don't have to remind Him of the records. Let me remind you of what that person did. No, God knows what people do. Amen? And when people hurt you and intentionally do things against you and offend you in certain ways, God knows about that. You don't have to worry. God knows what happens in your life. God is the omniscient God. That word omniscient means he is the all-knowing God. God knows everything. God has a record. How does he do that? With the billions and billions of people who, who live on planet earth, have lived, will live, I don't know other than the fact that he is God. He has the ability to do that, but he has a record of every person. So we come to God and say, God, I'm going to turn the justice system of my life over to you. Is this in the Bible? Yes, it is. Read with me out of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 14. Let's all read together again. Uh, Frederick and USG here in Gaithersburg also. Let's read. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, that seems like the opposite of what we would want to do, doesn't it? When people persecute us, we bless. We don't curse. Romans 12, 17 through 21. Read this one. Do not 
repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Somebody ought to say hallelujah right there. God repays, all right? When, somebody, when people treat you the wrong way, when you give it to God, God repays. On the contrary, let's read this together. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, stop there for a moment. The Bible does not tell you to heap burning coals on somebody's head, okay? The Bible says, no, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Thirsty, give him something to drink. God says, I'll take care of that matter. It'll be, it'll be like burning coals on his head. I will use this as justice and judgment in that person's life. Verse 21, read together aloud and loudly. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. So in prayer, work your way to this decision point. Will the justice system be mine or will the justice system be God's? And I promise you the justice system is always better when it's God's justice system. Number four, refuse to hold on to your hurts and your offenses. When life deals you hurt and pain in a relationship, I told you a moment ago you come to a crossroad and here's what happens. You will either retain, hold on to that hurt, or you'll release now, I want you to do something with me right now. I know you've got your notes in your hands, so if you can kind of put it in your lap for a moment, if you don't mind. And I want you just to do something with me. Reach out with your fist. I want you to make a fist as tight as you can and just hold it as, t as intensely as you possibly can. What are you feeling right now? My, my hand's shaking right now. Why? Because I feel the pressure. I feel the stress, okay? I'm not making it. It's just the stress. That's what I feel. Now, I want you to take, keep that one out there and take the other hand like this. Which hand feels better? The one that's free. You know why? Because when you hold on to things, what is it creating? It's creating stress in your life. And that's why when you hold on to a hurt and offense, that's what it does to you. It puts you in knots on the inside. It ties you up internally. It creates stress in your life. You may not even realize it, but it's doing that. And there's a lot of people who are living their life like that. I mean, you, you just bump them the wrong way and anger pours out. You met someone like that before? Just the slightest little thing and boom, there's this explosion of a, that occurs or reaction. Why? Because they're living in that manner as opposed to living this way. And so when it comes to a hurt, you do this or you do this. This is called retaining. This is called releasing. This is called a grudge and resentment and bitterness. This is called forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now, Forgiveness is what makes you okay after a hurt. So you, you can't be hurt, offended, and okay at the same time. They don't go together. It's either one or the other, right? That's why when you have an argument with someone, at the end of that argument, you probably will say, are you okay now? Because okay means, okay, I, 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 I'm okay. I've, I've gone past this, and now I'm at this. I'm okay. Right? That's what okay means. You can't. If you're like this, are you okay? You might say you're okay. You ever had someone say, yeah, I'm okay, but you knew they weren't okay? Because everything in the environment said this, I'm not okay, but my words are saying I'm okay, but you're saying, no, you're not okay. 
real okay says, I'm back to a place where I have released. And so I'm okay because now I've let go of this. And so for you to be okay, that is fine on the inside, you have to come to this. And hurts don't heal without this, without forgiveness. Now, let me tell you something about forgiveness. We'll read about it here in just a moment. We're just about done for the message this weekend. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Say it with me. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It is a decision. Nowhere in the Bible does God say, sit around and pray until you get a quiver in your liver and you all of a sudden feel love and you're ready to forgive. It never says that. No. Forgiveness is a commandment that you obey. It's not a feeling you have. I want to say that again. Forgiveness is a commandment you obey. It is not a feeling that you have. Now, I think I'm a relatively growing Christian. I would not call myself a mature Christian because I don't think any of us have ever will ever reach full maturity uh, in our pursuit of our relationship with God. But I've been walking with God for a period of time, a number of years, many, many years, and seeking to serve Him and love Him. And I will tell you this, honestly, you ready for this confession today? I have never felt like forgiving anybody. Does that make you feel better? I have never felt like forgiving anybody. There's never been a moment that I was so spiritual. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus, for this opportunity to forgive. Oh, I just love forgiving Jesus. Thank you so much. No. Every significant moment of forgiveness in my life to another person starts with a decision, not an emotion. It's a choice I make, not a feeling I feel. And the same is true for you. make a choice. I'm going to choose now to do what the Bible says to do. I choose to release. I let go of this and I put it in God's hands and I give the justice system to God. It's no longer my responsibility because in the same way that God forgave me as I confessed my sins to Him and Jesus forgave me, now I'm going to take what Jesus gave me and I'm going to give it as a gift to you. See, a gift that's what forgiveness is. It's a gift you give, okay? And by the way, you can give gifts without feeling like giving a gift, right? It's an action that you take, okay? Now, let's go to the Bible, Matthew 6, 12. Jesus taught us to pray and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We choose to forgive, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive, you choose to forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive, you do not choose to forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Mark eleven twenty five. and whenever you stand praying, notice we're talking about prayer here. If you have anything against anyone, choose to forgive him, forgive him, it's an action you take, a decision you make, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Hebrews 12, 14 and 15, New King James Version. Pursue peace with all people in holiness without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest any fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many be defiled. New Living Translation of that same passage, working at, work, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. What is the grace of God? It's the forgiveness of your sins. It's the presence and favor of God in your life. Make sure that no one fails to receive the forgiveness of your sins or the, 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 the favor and blessing of God in your life. Why? Watch out. Here's the thing that can keep us from that. Watch out that no poisonous root of 
What's the word there? Bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. What's the Bible saying? If you don't forgive, if you do this with other people, you owe me, you owe me, you owe me. You better pay me back. Whatever mode that takes in your life, when you live like that, you're shutting out the flow of God's grace in your life. But when you forgive and you open up your hand, just like God has done for you, then in that moment of forgiveness, grace can flow in you and through you. And there's a freedom, folks. Let me tell you something. When you genuinely forgive and choose to forgive someone that's hurt you, there's a freedom that comes to you. Why? Because you're not responsible for that person anymore. You're not responsible. God's got them. You don't have to worry about what happens to them. You've really let it go, and you've given it to God. The last thing here will be done. You have to build a shield, what I would call a spiritual shield against offense. Say it this way very quickly. Hopefully what will happen in your life spiritually, I'll give you a moment to write it down, then if you will, just look at me for a bit. So build a spiritual shield against offense. So get those words down, and if you'll look this way. As you're growing as a Christian, what you hope will happen is that over the years, you will be less vulnerable to being hurt and offended because you are, you've, you're growing, you're maturing, right? Have you noticed how little kids, they get hurt about everything? He took my toy. I mean, every little thing they're crying about, everything is a big upset for them. And, and so, you know, if three- or four-year-old kids, I mean, everything bothers them and upsets them, and everything hurts them and offends them. And it's okay. We accept that with three- or four-year-old kids, and then when they cry about stuff like that. But if you're 25, 30, still doing this kind of stuff, okay, something's wrong, right? Okay. Why? Because you, you expect emotional maturity over time, right? You expect more of a reasonable, rational approach to things. And so God, in the same way, expects you over time to be less easily offended. The things that used to bother you shouldn't bother you anymore. Why? Because you're growing in the love of God. You're growing in maturity as, a, as someone who walks in the favor and faith of Jesus Christ. And so you're just not bothered by things you used to be bothered about before. Why? Because you're stronger spiritually. Things just don't get to you like they used to get to you. It's a mark of maturity. Colossians 3, 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That is, put this stuff on. Wear this stuff in your life. By the way, if you're wearing compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, I promise you, you will not be as easily hurt and offended as you used to be. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. There's a whole lot more there we could read, but the point has been made. Put on these attributes for your life. Psalm 119, 165. Read this one with me as we wrap up here today. Great peace have they which love thy law. And read, really affirm this last portion here. And nothing shall offend them. Isn't that great to know that the more we fall in love with God, His Word, the more protected we are. Shield is built in our lives against hurt and offense. Let me review with you quickly. How do you pray your way through hurt and offense? Pray for the right perspective. Start with you. Own your own hurt and own your own responsibility to heal from it. Decide whose justice you prefer, yours or God's. And by the way, whose, whose justice system is always better? God's. Refuse to hold on to your hurts and your offenses and then build a spiritual shield against offense. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning.
We ask you to seal this in our heart by the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that'll make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.